Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. gather. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. We're just going to ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, I believe there is something more significant than myself. There is a rock higher than myself. It is you. Help me to see the beauty of who you are, the glory of who you are, and, and by seeing that, change me. To be more like you, to proclaim what the shepherds proclaim, that there is a Savior born. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Merry Christmas, and it is a great time to celebrate what it means that Jesus came into the world. For this son, he is the son of God. This son is the Messiah. This son came and he was born to die out of love for you, out of love for me. And because we're about to give gifts at Christmas, I want to set up a situation. Do you remember when all the gifts were under the tree as a kid and Were you ever given the choice of of which present you wanted to start with? And I have some presents under a tree this morning. Out of all the presents, which one would you choose if given the choice? Do you know what I would do? I always wanted the biggest. That was always what I was drawn to. What's in the big box? Let's see. Hopefully it's a game system. Hopefully it's something awesome. Maybe it's a bicycle. I always chose the biggest. Can you relate? And I think we do this not only when it comes to presents, but in all sorts of categories. There's this principle, if given the choice, we choose the brightest, the biggest, the best. It reminds me of grade school. Do you remember playing uh, on the playground and, and someone was a captain? And if you were ever the captain for kickball, who did you pick first? The guy who could kick the home runs or the gal who could kick the home runs, right? You want the, the, the best. That's who's on my team. I remember for me, it happened with musical instruments. In fourth grade, I, I got to pick the, the, the one instrument that was available. And what did I pick? The sousaphone. Why? Because it's the biggest. Now, little did I know at that point that it was not the best, unless you're doing polka music. That's the only environment that that was the best pick, but not everywhere else. And maybe you've done this. It was the company you wanted to work for. Where are you going to apply? At the best. It was the person you want to work with, who you're going to hire? The best. Uh, Maybe it was the date, the person you asked to the dance, the person you asked to marry you. You're going to choose the best available. 
right? Yeah, someone has. <laughs> and the world works this way. I'm a bit of a baseball fan, and, and the Yankees, who we love to hate because they have all the money and they can pick their, their, their choice, did you hear what happened? They picked this guy, Juan Carlos Stanton from the Florida Marlins, because he's arguably one of the best baseball players available right now. A great home run hitter from the Florida Marlins, and they're going to pay $265 million over the next 10 years for the best, because the Yankees can do that. And because there's some truth in this principle that we always choose the best, that's what makes God's choice of people, well, it's kind of a head-scratcher. Can I get into this? You know, so we're here to talk about God. And remember, he is the King of kings, Lord of lords. He can have anyone he wants. And he could have all the Juan Carlos Stantons and the A-list celebrities. And yet, I was reading in my personal devotion when Jesus was calling his disciples, and he went to this tax collector's booth. And tax collectors were not best. They were the lowest and the worst. And yet he said to this tax collector, Matthew, come follow me. That's not the best. Or then if you know some of the other disciples, they were fishermen. And fishermen's like, what, a half step higher than a tax collector? I mean, this is blue collar, no name, you know, and I'm not against blue collar, but it's just, it's not the brightest. And then I look at that one Christmas. Jesus is going to be announced by angels. And if you are going to send this announcement, the angel army, into this world to tell about Jesus' birth, who would you send it to? I know I would maybe choose like a meeting of the United Nations, right? All the big shots need to know Jesus is a big deal, right? Or choose to, to put it on TV or, or something, right? But, but who does God choose to send his angels, to send an army of angels? Were you listening to Luke 2? It says... And there were, what is that word? Shepherds. Shepherds. And it goes on to say that they were living out in the fields nearby. Now, there is still a connotation for people who live outdoors. It's usually not a good one. Usually we want people who are living outdoors to get indoors. That's the way it works. These are, are lowly things, right? I was considering the Old Testament where um, there was a man named Joseph, and you might know Joseph through the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And, and at the end of the story, he, he takes his family to Egypt, but then he prompts his family on what to say to Pharaoh. And look at this prompting. He, he says, when Pharaoh calls you in and asks you what's your occupation, you should say, your servants just tend livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you'll be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. So he's kind of like, do whatever you want. You know, say you tend livestock, but don't tell them you're shepherds. Because that's, well, it's, it's a lowly thing. But you know what? I think that one Christmas, God announced and God sent the angels to just the right people. I don't want to talk about that with you today. Okay? And first of all, I just want to pause and welcome you if you're new to this space called Amazing Love. And I want to make one thing really clear because I can't highlight it throughout the rest of the message. Is that Jesus was born for all people. All people. And it doesn't matter your pedigree. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter your gender, your age, your race. It doesn't matter any of that. When he came into the world, it was a love mission for everyone to be saved. But I want you to know there's something we can learn from his pick of the shepherds. 
there's something that if our souls take in, I think will make us following God a little bit easier and, and maybe our walk with him a little bit closer if you learn the truth of why he showed up to just the right people. You ready to hear? Still with me? Doing good? Let's get into it. Our, our lesson then is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to hear what Paul said to the Christians in Corinth and, and, and the people that God chooses. You ready? Here, here it is. It says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. No Juan Carlos Stantons. Not many were influential. Not many of you were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us then the wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And we're going to have fun learning from these words. Could you turn to the person next to you and just tell them, it's okay to be a fool. It's okay to be a fool. Don't say it too harsh. Don't give him the eye. Careful with this one. You guys watch the Big Bang Theory at all? You hear this? I was, I was a late adopter to it because I had the opening credits and my Christian background was like, it didn't begin with a Big Bang. Anyway, sorry. But, but I, I, I caught on. And, and if you've ever watched, you know, the Big Bang Theory, um, you, you have to admit that Sheldon Cooper is a striking character, right? I mean, he sticks out. Sheldon Cooper is known for his idiosyncrasies, the way he is. He's got his specific spot on the couch, which is the perfect viewing angle, the perfect temperature. That's what Sheldon does. He's very selfish. Kind of reminds me of church people. We have our specific spots in church. Just, it's okay. It's okay. But, but what Sheldon Cooper is, is very, well, is arrogant the right word? I mean, he, he's a scientist who, even if he has a friend go to, to outer space, a friend who worked for NASA, will still try to correct that other scientist on what is right. He's a scientist who looks down on every other field of science. He's one who never wants to admit that he's wrong. Everyone else can accept his vantage point, his view of the world. He's not going to accept anything else but what he sees. And this is why I don't think Sheldon Cooper would make the best disciple of Christ. And the reason I bring him up is because of the contrast of a Sheldon Cooper and people like Sheldon to who God chose in our lesson. Can I remind you what we just read? So, so we're looking at the word of God, and it says, God shows the, can you say this, the foolish things. And, and I was translating, and it, you should have seen me in my office, maybe not, I don't know, but I was cracking up because I had the lens of the Greek on it. And the Greek word for foolish things is morose, which is where we get our English word moron. So I was translating, and it literally says, God chose the morons. And I'm like, that says a lot. I know why I'm here. You know, God chose the morons. You can be a pastor if you're a moron. Anyway, um, that's what he does. And I contrast the point of view of a moron versus a Sheldon Cooper. A moron is willing to admit, you know what, I don't know it all. I don't. And a moron understands there's weakness to his brain or other things. This is just what morons are and do. And as we look at who he chose... We have our first takeaway today that I think 
It's a little bit humbling, but it speaks a lot of truth in what it is to follow God. And, and this is our first takeaway if you're writing down, if you're taking notes. I think you need to be a fool or, or at the very least be willing to con- be considered a fool in order to follow God. Let me say it again. You need to be a fool or at least be willing to be considered a fool in the eyes of others and the eyes of the world in order to follow God. Because there's certain things that Jesus says that the world doesn't agree with. And there's certain ways that Jesus has that the world has said that's old-fashioned and closed-minded. And there are certain things in the Bible that according to our world point of view or, or the time that we live in just seems different. So let me ask you. When it comes to your faith walk, are you more like Sheldon or more like a shepherd? Do you know why I think it was so good that he appeared to, to, to shepherds? Because if he would have appeared to the Sheldon Coopers, the, the Greek philosophers, the wise people of the age, they would have had some argument of why it couldn't have happened. Angels, I can't be seeing angels. This must be an aberration or a vision. Angels are not real. That's not possible. They'd have one logical way of, of explaining it away. Or think of, what if he announced it to Caesar Augustus? Caesar, the, the ruler of the time, might have said, well, I've seen a lot of great things. I have the Colosseum, the circuses. You know, what's this? And, and me go to Bethlehem? Bethlehem can come to me. Don't you know who I am? But what would shepherds do? I think shepherds are foolish enough to accept the simple word. Foolish enough to go to Bethlehem and just listen with open ears. Let me ask you again, in, in your faith life, in, in your spiritual life, are you more like a Sheldon Cooper or a shepherd? You see, there, there are many things where our worldview or our experience or our own wisdom might get in the way of the things of God. And it might be hard, I don't know where your questions are or where they lie, but to accept a virgin birth or a, a Jesus who died on the cross, who, who Paul said was a stumbling block for many, or a resurrection, all these things. To, to understand a trinity, three, three persons, yet one God, to, to understand all of these things. Or maybe it's not so much the doctrine. Maybe it's just his revealed ways for your life. Where you're saying, God, don't, don't you know, you need to see it from my Vantage point. You need to know that's not how this works. You, you need to know, uh-uh. As I was reading, one of the things I want to repent of is all the times I've been like Sheldon. I hear a clear voice and I have a clear directive and I give reasons why not to do it. I hear the world say something and, and so much so that my faith is now unearthed because someone else on a channel said something and in a moment my faith is shaken. That's a Sheldon type of philosophy. It's not a shepherd. If you can relate to this at any level, I'd encourage you to repent. Because if we don't, if we dismiss the things of God, he may dismiss us. So become a shepherd. I invite you to. Lower yourself this one Christmas to see what they saw and to hear what they hear and hear with open ears this simple message that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Just receive the simple message that there is a Savior. 
Because we live in a world that says, I don't need a savior. We live in a world where the wisdom of the day is, everyone's going to heaven anyway, pastor. Why go to church? Why believe in Jesus? Why do anything for the Lord when we're all going to heaven? And what's this hell talk? You know, that's the worldly wisdom, people. But a savior is born. Did you hear it? And here's why. Because you need one. And I need one. A savior is born because I cannot be good enough on my own. I'm an imperfect person who is lost. I'm a beggar in need of the mercy of the king of kings. And so the savior is born and I need him to be. I don't just need him to be. I need him to live in my place, to die my death and to rise again. To assure me that where he came from is where I'm going. Do you need the same then let me tell you again, he's born for you. And in your foolishness, just accept the fact that you need him. And he was willing to do it all. But you make a mockery of his work if you say, I need none of it. He was willing to do it all because he loved you, he knew you by name, and he wanted to bring you to where he came from. And that's the story of Christmas, if you're willing to hear it. You know, it's good to be a fool. Because fools can be forgiven where wise people don't need any of it. And maybe I need to wax a little bit more eloquently on why it's good to be a fool. Let's talk about this. You know, it's the most wonderful time of the year, but for anyone else, is it the busiest time? Is anyone here stressed out? Anyone at all? Okay, we don't want to admit that. Okay, that's fine. And I was just thinking of all the things you have to do, right? Um, you have not only normal life, you have school and work, but then you add on what, what are all the extras? Like you have all the gifts that you need to buy or, or receive. You have the Christmas cards that you need to send out. The family picture, did you get the family picture? Did the prince come on time? You know, did you get the address of your third cousin far removed on your wife's side in California and, and they moved for like the fifth time in, in one year and you're trying to get that address because you need to send out that Christmas card. And then you have the coworker parties and, and you have the family gatherings that are obligations. And, and you have all of these things going on all at the same time, including with, you know, the, there's the Nutcracker downtown and Wicked is playing and the Christmas Story Live seems really good. And all of these things are happening at the same time. And, oh my goodness. It reminds me of this story that Jesus told. He was saying that, 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 that God invited people to come to a banquet, and it was a picture of God inviting people to come to heaven, and they all gave excuses on why not to come. And I don't know if it was Christmas time. You know, no one said it was an ugly sweater party they needed to attend. Um, but, but, but people were saying this, you know what, uh, God, I'd love to come, but, but, you know, I got romance. I just got married and, and honeymoon, and, you know, it's going to be great, you know. Or, or other people were like, I got to work. I got to work, you know, uh, bought a new field, need to check it out. Um, or, or I got a new car, which in that day was oxen. So I bought, I bought a new, you know, need, need to drive them. Uh, sorry. And they missed it. They missed what was truly important because they were so busy. Can you relate to this? So why were shepherds just the right people? You know why I think? They didn't have a busy social agenda. Look, look at the story again. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. And I had to laugh once again as I was reading it this week because I'm like, because what other options do they have? (laughs) Watching the sheep eat their food? I'm bored thinking about it. (laughs) Trying to stay awake before they go asleep? You know, this is like, it's not like they were going to the nutcracker. Let's go see it. It's like, I was watching this movie called That Thing You Do. I don't know if anyone's seen it. It's such a bad reference. But there was a time where they were given this offer from a guy in a trailer who wants to put their song on the radio. And the reason it was so good from the guy in the trailer is because they had no other offer. <laughs> Let's go. I have nothing else to do anyway. Shepherds were foolish enough to have time. And I guess what I'm trying to prompt you to see is this principle. Become a fool by just slowing down. Enough to see the Savior. I give you permission to say no to the things that don't matter. And that card to the third cousin in California who's moved five times, it's okay they don't get your response. It's all right. It's okay if you don't see all of the concerts downtown. If you miss the Nutcracker, it'll be next year. All right? They dance. That's all they do. I'm okay with dancing, by the way. It's fine. But they'll do it again. (laughs) The obligation of every family gathering. Would your family who's busy not know that you're busy too? Could they not maybe understand that five gatherings in one day is not really appropriate? I give you permission to say no to the things that don't matter so that you can see with clear eyes and a quiet life the one thing that we celebrate. Jesus was born because he radically loves you more than you possibly know right now. You know, as a pastor, I get busy. I empathize with busy. I do. I'm not going to have a pity party up here, but I get busy. In fact, I was reading this book this past week. It was called The Imperfect Pastor, and I love the tagline. It said, discovering joy in our limitations through a daily apprenticeship with Jesus. And I I read a line in this book that kind of just stuck with me. Uh, The author said that, that you should have the ambition for a quiet life. Have ambition for a quiet life. Be okay if no one knows your name, if you don't leave a legacy, if the world doesn't make much of you. That's all right. Because when we have earthly success, our lives get loud. And they get cluttered with a lot of things that really are periphery. When our lives are quiet, I think it might be a little bit easier to hold on to what's truly significant and not have our perspective skewed. Be a fool. Be okay being unknown if your life can be quiet enough to see Jesus. Be a fool. Say no to other things so that you can gather with your family and have a quiet moment reading Luke 2. Be a fool and see the Savior. But there's more reasons why it's good to be a fool. My favorite fool at Christmas has to be Elf. Will Ferrell played the Elf. And um, anyone else like this movie? I'm just curious. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so one of the favorite scenes that I have is, is obviously the cup of coffee, world's greatest cup of coffee, but, but also quickly followed by when Santa's coming. Because when he hears that Santa is coming, what does he do? 
Santa! Right? You know, I can't even do it. Like, and look at him with all the little kids. He's getting in the way of the little kids. And what does he do? He's so excited about who Santa is, he doesn't care the volume of his voice. He doesn't care if he's being socially appropriate, which he isn't. He, he, he doesn't care about any of those things because his love for Santa is just all-consuming. I think the shepherds responded in a similar way. See, what did the shepherds do once they saw the baby? It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word, Jesus! Maybe not like that. But, but consider, they were going into the town to tell everyone what happened. They're already lowly shepherds, and people could have called them crazy. Who do you think you are? I, I would never believe that. In fact, maybe some of them did. Look at verse 18 with me. Verse 18, it says their reaction. It says, and all who heard it were amazed. Now, the Greek word for amazed is also wonder. So literally, they wondered. Now, wonder could have a positive connotation, like I wonder if it's true, but do you know wonder could also have a negative connotation? And you know what I thought this past week? How many people are reported in Scripture who actually went to go see Jesus? Just the shepherds and the wise men. It doesn't record any of these townspeople going to see Jesus. And so what it means is that the town might have thought they were fools. They might have shook their head and been like, those crazy shepherds. But the point is, the point is, they didn't care. Regardless of the response, they said it anyway. Because this is what fools do. Fools passionately proclaim. Do you know when I'm being socially, I know when I'm being socially awkward in bringing up Jesus. I've lived with people long enough to know that they don't want to hear it at certain points, but I'm going to tell them anyway. Do you know that? I feel all the feels of that. And yet I still tell them I'm a pastor and I invite them to church. I had a haircut this past week and it's so easy for me. And I know the person, she was a young lady, she was great. She didn't want me to ask about her church background, but do you think I did? I did! Because then I could tell them that I was a pastor who loves Jesus, who feels like Santa Claus giving away the forgiveness of sins, regardless of if she wanted to have the conversation or not. Because what did I have to lose? So when we sing, go tell it on the mountain, let's not just make it a mere sentiment and lip service. Let's make it our mission this Christmas to go invite as many people as possible to to church, to hear of Jesus, to go out in our communities and say Merry Christmas and tell them this is why I say Merry Christmas because I am a Christian who celebrates Christ and I love it. Have you heard of Christmas? passionately proclaim. But then there's something heartwarming that he chose the shepherds. Because shepherds are weak things, not noble things. Shepherds are lowly things, not high things. And um, I've been walking around in the church of God for a while, and every now and then the church, which is considered a bride, looks like a frail and a weak and a little thing. Have you walked around the church world enough to know that the church is a frail and a weak and a many times not a beautiful or splendorous thing? I'm not down about church. I just know that there's a gap of what I would love the church to be and where we are, and there's always that gap. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's not just true in the church. It's true in my own life. I understand there's this gap that stands between where I would love to be and where I am, and it's hard to reconcile. Have you seen the gap at all? Have you ever seen the frailty 
of either what the church or what church people are like. There's this, this gap. And fools are willing to admit that they're weak. And guess what? God can use our weakness. He can. It's the reason he chose morons. Because you consider the shepherds who went into the town. What were the townspeople more likely to remember? Were they going to remember who the shepherds were? If their name was Billy or Sam or Habib. I don't know what shepherds in Judea would be called. But would they remember the names? I don't think so. But they'd probably remember the story. They'd probably remember the story of a virgin who gave birth, of a Messiah who came into the world. And so this is, I believe, why sometimes the church looks so weak. And if you've known this pastor, why he looks so weak and will fail you. I guarantee that, by the way. Because he chooses weak fools so people don't miss the highlight. Which isn't a person. It's a Savior. It's Jesus. In the early Christian church, the disciples walked around, and and I was just reflecting on, on what other people would say about the disciples of God. In Acts, when they saw Peter with such boldness and other disciples, this is what they noted. It said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished. But this is what they noted, that these men had been with Jesus. The one thing they remembered was Jesus was real. He must be ruled to make fishermen such bold proclaimers. He must be real for for, for them to have such power, to be healing people and released from jail. Jesus must be real. And so he chooses weak fools so that the highlight and the praise and the glory all goes to him. How, How good is God? It's a good plan. But then before I beat myself up or you up too much, do you know we might have started as morons, but he doesn't leave us there. Do you know that? In fact, uh, the, one of the last verses of 1 Corinthians tells us this. Uh, look at this verse. It says, In him, because of him, that you are in Jesus Christ, who has become for us the wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. See, what the captain does in choosing us morons is he allows morons who, who admit they don't know everything to use his wisdom. And wow, now they look bright and shiny, but people don't know I'm actually just using God's wisdom. I'm not that bright and shiny. And he lets weak people who are scared and frail and messed up tap into his power so they can do great things. So everyone knows it wasn't the greatness of anyone who was serving. It was the greatness of God who was alive in his people. And he lets impure things and imperfect things be called pure and righteous because we're foolish enough to cling all of our hope into him. He chose you. How awesome is our king. Amen.